0: Truth for me is real spiritual practice. Truth is real yoga. Truth is real meditation. And we can visualize and do all these sort of sexy affirmations and what have you. But if if we're bullshitting ourselves and not telling ourselves the truth, none of that stuff works. It's just a band-aid. Truth is the foundation
1: for transformation. This is for the others out there the other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me, and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I am your host, Joshua Church. Grateful to have you with us New episodes are dropping every Wednesday and Sunday, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can get the notification when a new episode comes out. And give me a follow on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to catch different clips and highlights that I post. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something that might be valuable, please be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can continue to grow our tribe of others. Today, I'm excited to bring you a lively conversation I had with Coot Blackson, Koot is a beloved international speaker and transformational teacher. He speaks at countless events he organizes around the world, as well as outside events, including AFEST, YPO, and EO. He is a member of the Transformational Leadership Council, a select group of 100 of the world's foremost authorities in the personal development industry. Winner of the 2019 Unity New Thought Walden Award, Blackson is widely considered the next generation leader in the field of personal development. He's been interviewed by Larry King on Larry King Live, Tom Bilyeu on Impact Theory, and many other renowned, influential people. His mission is simple, to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access inner freedom, live authentically, and fulfill their true life's purpose. We talked all about the magic of surrender, what it means, and how we can embrace this concept. We talked about the power of building a relationship with pain, with death, and three questions to ask that will force you to be really honest with yourself. Give Coot a follow on Instagram at Coot Blackson and pre-order his book, The Magic of Surrender now, and you can receive a free ticket to his virtual seminar on May 7th. It's going to be great. I'm going to be there. I can't wait for it. The link is in the show note. And if you like this podcast, go check out episode 115 with Dakota Laundhair or episode 69 with Sadie Ackerman. Without further ado, please welcome Coot Blackson. We got Coot on the line. Hey man, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here and uh happy to uh happy to chat. Excited to dig in this conversation. I feel there's a lot of a lot of good uh a lot of good things that are brewing already.
0: Cool, cool. I'm 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 excited and I'm very open.
1: Awesome, awesome. Um do you do a lot of podcasts, a lot of interviews?
0: And five today.
1: Five today? Wow. Five
0: five yesterday.
1: Oh my goodness!
0: Five the day before, <laughs> and six the day before.
1: Oh, you're kidding! That's incredible. All right, so you're on the you're on the circuit right now.
0: Uh, more than the circuit. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I'm passionate about the message of surrender, so you know.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah, and and so I know you've got a new book that's getting ready to come out here. called "The Magic of Surrender." So have you been talking yes. a lot about a lot about this, a lot about the yeah, book in general, yeah, a lot but, about but, the idea? But,
0: been spreading the message about the book and surrender, and we could get into any aspect of that yeah. that you want. So it's been it's been I'm very inspired by it and very called by the
1: message and, and and ushering that message forward. Beautiful. Yeah, let's start, let's dive right into it. So take me, tell me about it. Tell me about the magic of surrender. Like those are two powerful words that I love. Sure. So I'm curious to hear your perspective on it.
0: Well, first I just want to say like this was not the book that I thought I was going to write. Mm. Uh, so the joke was on me because. Uh, The universe forced me to surrender from the very beginning, because I thought I was going to write a different kind of of book, I wanted to write a different kind of book, I I sat with a whiteboard on a Mm -hmm. wall, brainstorming all of the different ideas that books I thought would be sellable, books I thought publishers would want. Books I thought my clients would want and need and crave and desire and, you know, clamor for. Um, books I thought would sell and be bestsellers, to be honest. And uh, I-, I was trying to strategize my way into a best-selling book and mm. had all of these ideas on a wall of books that honestly, maybe I'll write one day, could be great, people would love, sure, were marketable. But none of those really felt in integrity you know, none of those really felt aligned with my soul. Like, yeah, I could make that work, but none of it felt like aligned. And so I stepped back one day and hundreds of different words and titles on the on the whiteboard. And the only word that really stood out for me was the word surrender. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to write about surrender. It, it's kind of like going to the dentist, you know, like, you know, you should, but you kind of don't want to, because, you know, maybe you might have to have something pulled. And so I thought, oh, this is going to create resistance within people. And 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 I felt the rightness of it. I felt the truth of it. I felt the undeniable feeling and energy that this is the book that is seeking to be written. It may not be the book I want to write, but this is the book that is seeking to be written in the book that I am meant to write and it had a soul of its own. And so I had to surrender to the book that was seeking to be written. And when I did that floodgates opened and everything really started flowing. Um, not that it was an easy process, but there was a flow and a grace to it. Right. And so the book came about, I realized now the intelligence of the universe because Sometimes when you're going through something, you don't really know why you're going through it or you don't know what's in store. And sometimes I think the universe doesn't show us certain things because if it showed us certain things, then we maybe wouldn't move forward with it. And so we make up all these assumptions and interpretations as to what something means, thinking we know what it means, but we really don't. And so years before uh, 2016, my mother was diagnosed with stomach cancer. Mm. And that was really hard because she was the person I was closest to a love of my life. My mom was my everything and it was really devastating. And so I was in LA at the time. Uh, I basically started to travel back from LA to London where my mother was every month to be with her. I'd be with her for a week, a month, help her with her treatment, be with her during chemo. My intention was I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna heal her. I'm gonna alternative therapy, get her better. And after about two months, I think I soon realized that nothing I do is really going to work, that I was open, but I realized I think she's going to die. And, mm. and so that was very humbling. And so I had to start surrendering then. And that what started out as the worst year of my life turned out to be the best year because I got to just be with her. I, I, like I gave up hope and, and, and I was fully with her and I got to just be with her in her chemo i got to hold her hand we got to talk every conversation was potentially the last conversation you know every cup of tea together was maybe the last and every moment became truly precious and sacred and magical and and like this could be the last moment and so the sacredness of each moment really was clear the only regret i had was shit why did i wait till she was dying mm, until yeah. I, I really took the time to be with her and and so this process started happening where about six months into this journey, the doctors officially said to her, said to us, basically, you're going to die, so get your affairs in order. And that's just a tough conversation to have, you know? Uh, and, and the reality of that hit me. And I'll never forget being in the parking lot of the hospital, looking my mother in the eyes, and asked the two things. This is where I think the seed of the book was planted. The first thing I asked her was, are you afraid? And she looked me in the eyes. My mother's a Japanese woman, a little Japanese woman. And she said, no, I'm not afraid. Uh, I said, why? She said, because I know I'm not this body, that what I am is an infinite soul. What I am is a soul. And this body is just a vehicle for Mm. my soul. And so when I die, I won't die. So I'm not afraid. And, you know, you can tell when someone's faking it. She just, she, she just, when faced with your mortality, she just had this knowing and this calm wow. and, this, and this profound peace. And I thought, damn, my mother is freaking enlightened, you know. She's just truly free. And then I looked her in the eyes and I said, what can I do for you as a son? Like, what, what, do, you, what do you need? What, where can I take? Like, how can I make your last days easier? And here's what she said. She said, there's nothing I need or want. All I want is what God wants for my life. That's it. And I thought, whoa. And I realized in that moment, she was in complete and utter surrender. She wasn't attached to living. She wasn't attached to dying. She was open and surrendered to whatever was in store for her soul and her destiny. And I saw that that was why she was so free during Mm. this time. She never once complained. She never once felt like a victim. She never once cried. She was in complete equanimity and peace. And I saw the power of surrender during this time and it really hit me. I didn't realize it in the time, but when I was looking at that, that, that wall with all these words and surrender hit me, everything started making sense. My childhood made sense, that experience made sense. And I realized, wow, and my mother had been demonstrating surrender to me my whole life and i hadn't seen it and then i thought wow the jesus the great ones jesus buddha gandhi uh, bruce lee muhammad ali mother Teresa, martin luther king elon musk even you know believe it or not at some point they all surrendered themselves mm. to their souls to the deeper truth to life to the bigger vision. And it's when they surrendered themselves that they transcended themselves. And in transcending themselves, they were able to tap into a deeper dimension of potentiality of the universe. And that's when life began to live through them and manifest through them and express through them. And miracles happened, true magic happened. And so the book is called The Magic of Surrender. And I think in our culture, I just wanna kind of set the tone for the conversation. But in our culture, we have this myth and misconception, you know, that uh, surrender is 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 weak. Like surrender is like some dude with a baking bowl in the Himalayas with robes. Like who the hell wants to do that? You know, you have to give up everything and renounce everything. Like surrender is weak. It's passive. It's giving up. It's waving the white flag that if you surrender, you're going to be taken advantage of. You're going to be left behind. You're going to be a doormat. You're going to be a victim. You, you, You won't manifest your goals, dreams, and desire. You won't manifest what you truly want if you surrender. In fact, you'll get less. And really what I want to reframe as a possibility for people is not that you get less when you surrender. Like what if you didn't get less, but you got more, you got more than you could imagine with your mind, with your logic, with your identity, with your ego, with your persona. What if you got beyond what you can imagine? And so for me, I really want people to feel excited about surrender and, and and give surrender a whole different context. That's that, Surrender is the most powerful thing that you can do. Surrender is the key to your next level. Surrender is the key to the real secret to manifestation is surrender beyond your wildest dreams. That, you know, surrender is the password to freedom and the magic of surrender. And so we say, well, magic, right? What is ma- When I say magic, I'm not talking about like a hocus pocus, David Copperfield. Magic being that which is beyond your 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 mind's capacity to vision you know your mind's capacity to ima- beyond your mind. what is beyond it? to me, that is the magic. and so we all want magic. we all want miracles. we all want amazing and epic but we don't want to surrender. We want to hold on to the old shit. We want to hold on to that relationship that's not working. We want to hold on to that job that we hate. We want to hold on to who we were, that old identity, the old version of ourselves, that old addiction, but we want to manifest in new. And I say the next level of your life requires the next level of you and the next level of you requires that you release and you let go of what's no longer aligned so that you can create the space to receive the new vibration, the new frequency, the new relationship, the next level, whatever that is. Yet as human beings, creatures of comfort that we are, we tend to hold on to what we know out of safety, out of comfort, out of familiarity, out of self-preservation, but holding on to what's no longer aligned just keeps us stuck and blocks our blessing and we don't even realize that we're blocking our blessing and so surrender is a letting go surrender is a letting go of control or i should say the idea that we're in control the illusion of control that we're
1: in control in the first place right
0: because if you look at the last few years maybe the universe reminding us you, you you little humans aren't as in control as you thought just a little reminder in this pandemic and so uh, surrender is letting go of this illusion of control. Control being the master addiction. Surrender is to, shall we say, when you stop trying to force and manipulate life into your limited little concept of how you think life should look and be. And we often try to force things to be. But I often say, forcing something to be something doesn't make it so. You know, and and so we often force, and that causes so much stress and and anxiety and and frustration in doing that and and so surrender is when you give up the idea of who you think you should be and how you think your life should be so that you can just open to the life that is authentically seeking to emerge, the Mm. life that you're truly meant to live, not what so-and-so said nor your parents said or, or, or media says or social media says, but the life that is truly authentically yours in alignment with your soul. And so to surrender is to live in that openness, that availability, that curiosity. And and it's it's being infinitely available because when you surrender, you take the limits off of life completely and you're truly open. And that's when the magic can happen.
1: Boom. Spitting some gold over here, I love it. I got chills a couple times as you were talking, as there was a lot of truth that I uh, that I certainly resonate with, and I, it's interesting too because the when even when you say the word surrender, like it's like oh, it's like this kind of open, this open feeling, it's this yes. relaxed feeling, and and it feels like the opposite of like control or the opposite of forcing, like and and we can feel that internally, like we feel when we're in that state of flow and mm-hmm. openness and surrender, mm-hmm. and we feel when we're going like upstream or swimming upstream versus downstream. Can you talk at all about our emotional GPS, if you will, and how we can tune into those feelings and what, what role our emotions play in telling us where we're going?
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, life has a, a natural flow. First, I just want to say it's like we often say, oh, surrender so hard. It's so difficult. But I, I actually want to reframe the whole thing and, and, and invite people into a different way of looking at it. We tell ourselves, "Surrender's hard. Surrender's hard. Surrender's hard," and we run away from it. I want people to just consider that surrender is easy.
1: Love it, and surrender is natural. It be, it's our natural be, state. It should be it our natural is, state.
0: It is our natural state. That's right.
1: the thing. It's like
0: it, it's it's it's. It's our natural state, but we've just been conditioned out of that natural flow. So for those maybe listening on audio, I'm making a fist with my hand and I'm holding a pen with this fist and imagine through life, through conditioning, through parents, through society, we learn to make this fist as a a sense of self or we hold tightly to our sense of self and we hold tightly to this pen and we think this is who we are. We hold so tightly to, to this way of being that this way of being just becomes natural. It becomes the norm for -hmm. self-protection and survival, and it becomes more normal than anything else. But if you look at letting go and surrender, how easy is it to let this go? It's like it's the most easiest and natural thing. So I just want to propose that it's harder to resist. It's harder to fight life. It's harder to control all the things in life that you can't control. We've just been conditioned from childhood patterning to do that. So that's what feels normal from a survival mechanism. Again, to set a context, as children, when we're born, you talked about just now, it's the natural state. You look at a child. They're in a constant state of surrender. They're not in fear. They'll, they'll jump on a table naked. No one's told them that's wrong. That's bad. They jump on a table naked. They don't have the sense of self-consciousness. Am I fat? Do I need a different filter? How do I look on Instagram? They, they don't give a... They don't care, they're, they're, they're free beings, they're in touch with their essence. A child will sing, the top of their lungs, doesn't care if it doesn't sound like Adele or Bruno Mars, you know? It's unconditioned, pure essence. So being surrendered to the moment, to the moment, they're not thinking about what's gonna happen, the future, paying the rent, what are they? They're just being, and I think we, we all were in touch with that whole perfect, complete essence at some point, but we've got condition. Mm-hmm. And it's that conditioning. So so what happened? Just to be clear, we were free beings in a surrendered, you know, beingness. Then we were born into a kind of framework of conditioning. We meet our parents. Our parents are conditioned based on their childhood and their history and their parents and ancestral karma, et cetera. Et cetera. So we're born into this framework that might be there might be some level of dysfunction. And so maybe that is uh, uh, not present, maybe mum is an alcoholic, maybe there's mental illness, maybe there's divorce, maybe our parents are fighting all the time. And so as children, two things happen that start the, the resistance control process. Uh, the first thing is we start learning, often unconsciously, all sorts of ways to shut down disconnect and not feel, to not feel the pain that's going on around us, to not feel the insanity of our parents, to not feel we're being bullied in school. So we start learning, okay, shut down, disconnect, not feel, suppress those feelings, shut down, disconnect, not feel, control, control, control what I'm feeling, control that energy, shut Mm -hmm. down, disconnect, not feel. Those feelings start building up, covering up our light, and we start erecting all sorts of defense mechanisms to Avoid pain, to mm-hmm. not feel that pain. And those defense mechanisms begin to shut off and disconnect us from parts of ourselves and part of the flow. And now we hold tightly in on, onto that way of being to avoid pain. It's a survival mechanism, a strategy that we learned. Then we learn a way of being in the world to go into the world, the sense of, well, okay, who do I need to be in order for daddy and mommy to love me? Who do I need to be in order to fit? Who do I need to be? In order to get love, validation, and approval. So we start contorting ourselves into a certain shape, <clears throat> into a certain pattern, a configuration. Oh, I'll be nice. I'll be kind. I'll say yes. I'll take care of everyone. I'll make everybody laugh. I'll be independent. I'll be a little. So we start developing a role, a mask, and a persona of who we think we need to be in order to get love, validation, and approval. We start contorting ourselves into a shape to avoid pain, get this love. And this gets reinforced by. People around us, reinforced by society. And then this way of being works for us when we were five and 10 and 15, but often stops working for us as we get older, 20, mm. 30, 40. The same mechanism of contraction and control that learn that we learn to avoid pain and get love often starts getting in the way of our ability to surrender, our ability to free, to be free. But we we we, we We hold so tightly to this conditioned version of ourselves that we become, which gets reinforced by life. And the more conditioned that becomes, the more we think that's who we are. That's Mm -hmm. where part of the problem comes in. The more we think that's who we are, and we and we often hear ourselves say, "This is just me. I'm just this way. I'm just independent. I'm just you know not feeling. I'm just fill in the blank." And we realize that we're actually conditioned. And the degree to which we're conditioned is the degree to which we're not free to surrender, free to flow, free to be open, free to live in grace, free to trust because we're living this control pattern. And so part of why surrender can sometimes feel a little scary, a little terrifying, and we resist it is because it requires a letting go of our condition set pattern Mm -hmm. way of being that we identify with as ourselves and so Mm -hmm. and so it can seem scary but the challenge is we've just gotten used to holding ourselves together which is in fact very painful and so when we start letting go so we have to be willing to question ourselves you know like who am i what do i believe
1: is that the but, first step? What's the first step? Is it questioning ourselves, providing some yeah, separation? I, I, from I think there's, there's a couple of things.
0: I think first we have to just become aware of our patterns right. of conditioning because most of the time we're not aware. We think that's who we are, is who we are, and it's not. you know. And So the awareness of, okay, maybe this is not who I am. Yeah. So is who I am who I really am? Do I really believe this? Or is it what I've been taught to believe? What do I really believe? Who am I? What am I? What do I believe? What's true? What's my truth? And so I think the more we can start questioning our belief systems and our stories and our identity and, and our values, then we can start feeling underneath that. Then I think we often have to start being willing to feel to to feel some of the emotionality and feelings that we've learned to suppress, to lock ourselves into a certain shape, which keeps us stuck. And that's why we try to control so much of life out here. If I can control life, if I can control my job, if I control the weather, if I control my spouse, if I can control my kids, then I don't have to feel this pain that I felt when I was five. Because when I was five, And I thought out of control and mom, dad was screaming and it was difficult. It was so painful. I said, I will never feel this again. And so I locked myself into a certain shape so that I don't feel it again. And so now we go through life, intent on never feeling that thing again. And so just part of the willingness to acknowledge, to acknowledge our feelings, which obviously Mm -hmm. is a process, but the willingness to say, you know what, There can be no healing without feeling and to then be willing to acknowledge those feelings in a context, in a sacred space with a therapist, with a coach, with a guide that can help us unravel those frozen stuck feelings so that they can begin to dissolve and move through rather than keeping us stuck in a set pattern of limitation and control. Right. Mm. And so the feeling of those feelings, which we could talk more about, the releasing of those feelings, which I think is important, is a part of the true, authentic, integrated healing process so we can let go of the layers that we've built up. Another place I think people can begin in terms of healing, but also in terms of, well, where do I start? Ar- around surrender. Please. Yeah. I think that a simple place to start, well, it's simple, not always easy, but it is sure. simple. It is simple. Um, one of the things that keeps us stuck <clears throat> because of everything expressed, because of the conditioning, one of the things that keeps us stuck are all the ways we lie to ourselves. We were conditioned to lie to ourselves about how we felt. Well, I don't feel sad. I don't feel mad. I'm okay. <clears throat> we went into a certain shape. So we've been conditioned to lie, to not be true with our feelings for survival. And so one of the things that keeps us stuck as human beings and prevents us from truly surrendering are all the ways that we lie to ourselves. As human beings, we lie to ourselves a lot, whether we are aware of it or whether we're not aware of it. You cannot be truly free living a lie. You cannot be truly free and happy and fulfilled living a lie we stay in relationships that we know aren't right out of safety we we work jobs and vocations and spend our entire lives in situations career wise that we know is not the calling for the true calling for why we were here and we wonder why we feel pain we betray ourselves and our truth and we wonder why we feel pain and so actually believe that pain, you mentioned pain. Pain is not bad. Pain is a gift. Pain is your friend. Pain is feedback. Pain is actually a blessing. In our culture, for the reasons I've said, we don't have a context to have a relationship with pain. We don't have a context to know how to deal with pain. For instance, Maybe when you were young, boys don't cry, or be quiet, or shut up, or even unconsciously we we went into our defense mechanisms. Or you switch on the TV and you look at advertising. Advertising says, "Oh, hey, you feel some pain, Joshua? Okay, I'm Doctor MD here. On 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 on
1: on. Well, get rid company. of it. Take Let, this pill. Take yeah. this
0: pill. Get rid of it. Don't feel it. It's gone. Let's just zap that pain. And so we don't have a relationship with pain. But what I want people to know is that pain is a blessing. Pain is feedback showing you a part of yourself that is needing your attention. Pain is feedback showing you some part of yourself that you have disowned or dishonored. Pain is showing you a part of yourself that needs to be felt and felt and honored and released and, and, and you know dissolved. So pain is a blessing. And so what we tend to do as human beings, sadly out of fear, conditioning, survival, is we distract ourselves, you know, we busy ourselves, we work it away, drink it away, sex it away, drug it away, you know, smoke it away, social media it away, shop it away, whatever it is, just so that we don't have to feel the pain, which keeps us stuck in the connection, which keeps us stuck on the the perpetual cycle of sameness. And so what I would invite people to ask themselves, two questions, maybe one or two questions, first question, What lies am I telling myself? What lies am I telling myself? Sounds simple, but if that's all you did and nothing else, I promise you, life will change. Life will start shifting. Obviously, there's other steps, but if you really rigorously said, I'm going to really start telling myself the freaking truth like never before and, and, and owning that truth, feeling the truth, acknowledging the truth, living the truth, speaking the truth, feeling the truth, so much would start changing. So many of the things we pray about, meditate about, go to temple about, you know, try to heal, would start dissolving if we started telling the truth. Truth for me is real spiritual practice. Truth is real yoga. Truth is real meditation. And we can visualize and do all these sort of sexy affirmations and what have you. But if, we, if we're bullshitting ourselves, and not telling ourselves the truth, none of that stuff works. It's just a band-aid. Truth is the foundation for transformation. So what lies am I telling myself? When you ask yourself this question in a self-inquiry, you must want the truth more than you want what you want. You must want the truth more than you want what you have. I often ask people in my events and seminars this question at the beginning. What do you want more than anything else? What do you, sounds like a simple question. What do you want more? than anything else. I Mm -hmm. wanna be free. Do you really? Because freedom isn't free. Because if you really wanna be free more than anything else, the shit that you're gonna have to let go of. And most of us, if we're honest, we want our comfort. We want our safety. We want our security. We say we want freedom, but we don't want it that much. And that's what you want more than anything else. And so if you're willing to truly be honest and tell the truth, Transformational process thoughts. And one thing I just want to say as a that might help people is you can take the pressure off of yourself of having to even take any action. How's that? Just 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 sometimes yeah, we, we yeah, sometimes we don't allow ourselves to tell the truth because oh shit, if I tell the truth, I might have to do something about it. And so let me just mm. be confused. And pretend I'm confused because if I'm confused I don't have to do anything about it and so when you take the pressure off of yourself of having to take action it can free you up just to acknowledge the truth as it is the truth being I'm no longer in love with this person I haven't been in love for five years just breathe with that sit with that let that marinate for a moment you don't don't have to divorce you don't have to break up just let me be with that for a second and allow that truth to just see let's see what happens you know that take that will begin a process Uh, I hate my job instead of like, I'm grateful for my job, but no, no, I hate my job. Sometimes we use gratitude as a spiritual bypass from our feelings. Right. And so I hate my job. You don't have to leave your job, but let's just sit with that for a second. I hate my job. Let me feel that. Let me just feel that for a moment. Let that in. That begins a process. So what lies am I telling myself? What am I pretending to not know? As I said, sometimes we play this game of confusion. I don't don't know if this relationship is right for me. I don't know what my purpose is. When deep down, there is a part of us that knows everything. At the deepest level, we know. We have an inkling. Maybe it's not so loud, but there's a sense. There's an inkling. There's a part of us that knows everything because at the deepest level, we are everything. And so we know, and it takes a tremendous courage to own your knowing, because when you own your knowing, you have no one else to blame. And sometimes we pretend that we're confused and and we really believe we're confused and the mind can convince us of anything, that we end up believing anything as a way to rationalize its position. And so sometimes, like for instance, I hear people say, I don't know what my purpose is because that becomes a sort of self-protective mechanism to stay in the safe zone, because if I really own that I have a sense of what my purpose is, I might have to move in that direction. Mm-hmm. I will have no more excuse. And then I might fail, who knows what might happen. But if I stay in the safe zone of I'm confused, I don't have to take action. And I could always have the, the safety of the hope of the future fantasy that, that okay, because I'm not sure, but I kind of have this hope. And so what am I pretending? to not know. And thirdly, really sit with, it's more of a feeling thing. What is the cost, as in the pain? What is the cost of the lies I'm telling myself? And if you really let yourself feel it, I mean, remove those distractions, remove those addictions of which you're numbing yourself. Feel, feel the pain of what it's costing you. Let that burn a bit it begins a process of movement inside and you'll be amazed at what starts happening and so i think people can start with some of those things the the awareness the acknowledgement the questioning the feeling and the truth
1: that's beautiful really really it's all about being honest with yourself <laughs> like it's the foundation the degree- The foundation, the degree of which we're able to be honest with ourselves, I feel like it just dictates the degree of how deeply we can go, how deeply we know ourselves, how deeply we can transform and change. But it's, it's, it's scary. It's not easy. But it happens, like you said. It's like layer by layer. And I really like that shift of just start with honesty, like without action of or without... You know I think we 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 prevent ourselves from being honest with ourselves because we know what it actually might mean that we have to do We're scared We're yeah, scared. right. It's like, oh, if I acknowledge that I actually hate this job, then that means that I'm gonna have to leave, and that's scary. so you you already know the answer subconsciously, like you're honest with yourself in a certain way, but you prevent yourself from like really uh, like you yeah. said, like sitting and marinate, feel that yeah. really powerful.
0: yeah, yeah, that that begins the process inside, you know, and I think when we just own like I hate my job, <laughs> even if we don't take action. We put ourselves in the boiling pot, and 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 and, and the process begins. And yeah. from that moment, we can't go back. It might take a year, it might take two years. However, but the process begins rather than mm-hmm. just burning forever. And so, I think that's a really important place to start. And one thing, if you need a bit more uh, impetus, here's what I would say to people: you are going to die. Sit with that for a moment. Like, yeah, 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 cool, we all know, no, 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 no. Really, really, let's sit with it. You're gonna die, I'm gonna die. Jesus died, Buddha died, Bruce Lee died, Muhammad Ali died. We're gonna die, that's the fact. But somehow we know it, but we're surprised when it happens. We know it, but we live like we have forever. And the truth is we don't. When my mother died, I was shocked (laughs) because I didn't think she was. There were so many things that I wanted to do with her. There Mm. were so many dreams, travel, this, that. And I was too fucking busy, you know, doing what I thought was important. And it was important, but I thought I had time. And when I realized this is it, the only regret I have in my life is not spending more time with my mom honestly it's the only regret I have Mm. and so we think we have time but we don't and we hear it and we hear it and we hear it but until it happens we don't realize it and so Mm. maybe someone listening in you can realize like like make feel your death make death your friend hold it close not as a negative morbid thing but just as a natural reality of the moment as a natural reality of life because death is a great record of death it kind of wakes you up and you might be in your mind spewing about BS and nonsense and non-important stuff. But if you remember like, I'm going to die. Is, is this how I want to do it? Spinning about like what they did and what they n- no. And so it's a reality check on the moment and what's important. An instant reality check. And I, I think the people in 9-11, the people who experienced natural disasters, the people in 9-11 as an example, they, they were they weren't aware they didn't know that they weren't going to come home that night and not be able to look their loved ones in the eyes and say sorry we hold on to so much shit and so many grudges that we think we have time to figure out and we make other people responsible for apology apologizing to us and we carry we carry that stuff with us and it costs us it's not worth it it's not worth it and so i just want to say if there's something you need to do, do it. If there's something you need to say, say it. If there's something you need to communicate, communicate. If there's something you need to forgive, forgive it. If there's something you need mm-hmm. to give up, give it up because nothing is worth your freedom. And it's, oh, this whole thing is over like that. And at the end of one's life, living a life that's a lie, at the end of one's life, you can't go to your maker, whatever you believe, say, hey, God, um, <clears throat> I wasted two years in that relationship. Can I, can I get a refund? It's gone is gone no
1: refunds no guarantees <laughs> nothing and so
0: how would you need to live your life truly not as a concept or nice you know podcast episode or a nice you know quote but in reality how would you need to live your life truly mm. so if death came right now you'd be ready you okay i'm not saying i want to go right now or you want to go right now but but you could be ready and what would you need to do what would you need to say so that you could be ready and without regrets to me that's a life well lived you know to me that is living surrender and surrendering to the sacredness and the blessing and the gift of each moment because Mm. every moment like tomorrow is not a right the only moment right now that is guaranteed is this moment and this is it right here and so i think the more we can live that the more life
1: becomes alive for us Mm. and uh, that's so beautiful how, how do you how do you ground that down into the practicality of your day-to-day what does that look like for you which part the living present living in the moment and realizing like this is the yeah, moment right I, I,
0: medit- now. I meditate on my death brother i meditate like it, how it looks is i meditate on my death i feel my death like
1: mm. could die today and, and that I, I, can, I, I, that brings you back I, to that state and that appreciation I, and that, that that's an acknowledgement of death
0: like Interesting. Truly. Like, like, yeah. like, like, like like it's like keeping death close, you know? Yeah. Keep like keeping death as a friend next to me and just keeping it in my awareness, not as a morbid thing, not as a limitation, I, because I know that my soul is infinite, but as a reality. And so if I get caught up in oh some stress over here, I'm like, I'm gonna die soon. And I don't yeah. know. And and trust me, if you just keep death right here. It just sets you straight as a slap, as a soul slap, as a reality, really quickly. Because things get into perspective really quickly when someone is dying, or when you remember that you're gonna die at some point. And most people, most people, unless it was uh, you know a disease that would long term, most people that when they died, they they didn't plan it. It, it, it was unplanned. It just happened, you know. And so. I remember when my mother was dying and death was close cause it was right there.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. Every, every moment, every, like I would watch her sleep. And like so this is, could be the last time, you know, the last time I saw my mom, I put my hand on her stomach in the middle on her, on her heart in the middle of the night, the day before I left. And I mm. just sat there for like half an hour and my hand was moving with a heartbeat. And I felt this voice saying, remember what this feels like, Mm. because this won't be for much longer. Feel this moment. This is it, this is it. And so there's so much that we miss in life because we're not present, because we're in the future, we're in the past, because we're not paying attention. And when you feel your death, Trust me, you start paying attention. Mm. And that's why, okay, that's why people, for instance, uh, love mm-hmm. driving fast. Because when you drive fast y- you're, you're, you're kind of face-to-face with death for a moment, like close close enough to be like, better pay attention. And what feels good? Is it the driving fast that feels good or the fact that you're f- present? It brings you present, and that's what feels good. Or those crazy people, man. Have you seen Free Solo? Those guys oh, yeah. that free... I'm oh. like, I will never free solo, personally. I mean, that's something I'm not ready to surrender to yet. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but the reason you free solo is if we said, okay, you're going to free solo, and you're going to feel so bad. You're going to feel like flu times 1 million plus like a nail in your brain. Nobody would free solo, but they free solo because when they free solo, they go beyond themselves. It's a surrender. You go beyond yourself and they're so close to death Mm -hmm. that you have to be so present. And in that present moment, you're aware of everything and you dissolve.
1: And that's what feels good. That's what- That's what feels good. So
0: for me, why don't we live that way?
1: Mm.
0: Why don't we like, we don't have to go climb a mountain. You don't have to go to Burning Man. You don't have to get in a car and drive 200 miles an hour. I mean, you can, nothing wrong with it. But I'm just saying, why not live life that way? With the fullness, with the intensity of intention, mm. with the aliveness, with the presence, with the sacredness. Let's live life that way. Then let's see what happens. Life starts taking on, at least for me, a whole different quality, you know, a whole different energy, a whole different texture, a whole different vibrancy. And I think the quality of our life is in direct proportion with our ability to be present and the quality of our attention. Mm. And most of us, especially in our high technology world, we're not even, you know, here I am with my phone, but we're not even present. We're hanging out, having conversations with people. What was that, Joshua? Okay, yeah, Joshua. You know, we're having conversations and we're not even present. And so Mm. we are, existing but we're not really alive and it's the quality of your presence that equals the quality of your life the quality of that relationship because you can spend time with someone but if you're not present that intimacy is not there you know and so that's the invitation for me of like practically it really looks like feeling my death each breath, man, each breath. Right now, we both took a deep breath. We just one step closer, you know? It's like, let's celebrate that. Mm. Celebrate. You know, When I was on Larry King, Larry King was one, one of my heroes as a kid. And I got the chance when my first book came out to be on Larry King, Icon, right? And what I thought he was gonna have mercy on me and, 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 and sort of give me some softball questions. And like, you know. He drilled so right
1: in, huh?
0: He started slaying, man. He started chopping me up. And it forced me to go to a whole nother level in my ability to be present, because I saw in his eyes, shit, this guy's so present. And before I have even responded, he's so present that he has another question. And then it's just like right there. And he asked me, I think he asked me like something like, well, what do you think happens when we die? I'm like, man, why do you have to throw me such a, freaking trip question i just think it happens when we die i mean you know they've been all trying to figure this question out for years and i said in the moment look, i have no idea what happens when we die really but but for me it's like it's about how do we live the real issue is not just when we die because when we die that will take care of itself right. but how do we live this moment and the quality of one's life this moment is what counts it's not the quantity of the years is how you live the years and so you know to me life is beautiful even even with its ups and downs and messes and insanity and craziness it's, 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 it's beautiful
1: amazing one of the one of the tools that's been really powerful for me in my surrender journey if you will has been um, both breathwork and cold immersion. Oh, yeah, nice. Cold immersion um, three years ago when I did my first trip out to Iceland, a Wim Hof retreat, and I got deep into the world of of ice baths and cold immersion to the point now where I actually created a cold immersion tub. Um, So I'm all into this world, and the reason why I loved it so much was because I hated the cold, but I loved how the cold – was a practice for me to surrender and to let go. And I noticed that the times when I would get into the cold and I'd be like, you try to fight or brave the cold or or gut it out, like you're going to lose every single time. But Uh, if you surrender to it and you release into it, relax into it, embrace it, then you become one with it. You dance with it. You become (sighs) present in that interaction and that exchange. And that has been such a powerful tool for me. So I'm curious... To hear from you, what are some tools that you've had in your journey or some tools that you recommend to people to help them practice that surrender, to practice living present, to practice living in that flow of things?
0: Yeah. I think one of the things is the death question. You know? yep, death. I, I, yep. I think one of the things is the constant truth question of the truth process of practice of questioning, like, what lies am I telling myself moment to moment to moment to moment. Um, I would say uh, the practice of spending time in nature is mm-hmm. simple, but we we kind of don't do it in our culture today in our high tech world, because I think when we're in nature, you kind of go back to your roots. You see the natural flow of things. You see how you are an interconnected speck in this cosmos and how we are all interconnected. And, when you're in nature, you see the sun, the stars, the moon, the rivers, and how it's all synchronizing together. And you start remembering how we are a part of nature too, but we just kind of forgot, and how there's an intelligence in nature that when we're just in this technology, we forget that we're freaking a part of this nature as well. We're not separate from it, we're a part of it. And there is an intelligence for, like, I've never seen a day, maybe in Iceland, I'm not sure, but I've never seen a day that the sun didn't come out yeah. in, in 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 thousands of years, at least in my lifetime. You know, every day the sun's out. Like clockwork. It's not like one day the sun just broke up to come out. There's an intelligence, you know, of life, an intelligence in the seasons, an intelligence in in the way the grass grows, in the swim, the the fish swim, the 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 the, the migration of the Uh, uh, of the birds and the fish. And there's a complete ecosystem and dance that happens in nature that when we really see that, in that interrelationship, it brings us into, into ourselves, you know? And it's like, shit, That, that same intelligence is functioning the sun, the stars, the moon, it's the same intelligence it's consciousness. Part of, we are
1: that. <laughs> that, that,
0: that. That is functioning. You and me, like you and I, we've been having this conversation and folks listening. We've been breathing right now. But we're not sitting here going, breathe, 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 breathe. It's just happening. You know, the breath is happening in spite of us. And there are trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions, and trillions of cells inside of our body that is interacting and dancing mm-hmm. and synchronizing. Without our conscious awareness, and so what is doing that? You know, like like maybe you ate a salad this morning, or a smoothie this morning, or a salmon this morning. Whatever your diet is, it happens that your hand doesn't turn into a kale or a banana. There's an intelligence that knows what to do, and so I think when we bring ourselves, for me, spending time in nature, when I also just tune into my body, meditate on my body, it, it brings me into relationship with my body and with nature to remember, like there's a miraculous intelligence that, that like an innate intelligence, if I cut my finger, it knows how to heal. Mm-hmm. So just even spending like five minutes just tuning into my body and feeling that beingness, feeling that energy is amazing for me. So that nature, um, meditation, we're just kind of sitting there, uh, allowing the awareness to drop down, resting into being, you know, I think in order for an experience to exist, there has to be an object and objects and experience are in the relative. But when, when you transcend an object, the experiencer uh, as a sense of I, ego I, goes beyond experience and the process of experiencing. Then you kind of rest into being, you know, you rest into beingness. And I think that process of resting into being is, is the sort of energetic spiritual surrender of letting go into, into what we, have always been all along, but we've just been conditioned to believe right. I'm this separate sense of self, you know. And so uh, so meditation is really, really beautiful for me, just sitting, sitting and really doing nothing as a way to being. Yeah, as a way to not reinforce my identity ness. Right. I think I think there are meditate, there's different kinds of meditations. And I think there's some visualizations, breath meditation, and all they all have their place. But I think there comes a point where meditation that doesn't reinforce your binance that then can help you dissolve beyond this sense of identification is is powerful and so i just sit and be and allow the awareness to drop down into deeper levels
1: uh, and, and yeah that that kind of is is pretty simple really it's beautiful man, this has been an unbelievable conversation. I appreciate you coming on and and sharing and dropping some knowledge and sharing your presence with us and uh, everybody listening, I'm sure can feel this as well. So uh, uh, tell me about, tell the people where we can find the book, when we can find the book. Yeah, Uh, We'll have all those details in the show notes as well, but where we can find more of you, where do people get more of you? Yeah. um, The book, depending on when you're listening
0: to this, the book comes out, the paperback version, comes out on May the 3rd. And so firstly, go to Amazon, uh, order, click paperback, order the paperback version of the book. And here's what, pre-order before May the 3rd, if you're listening to this before May the 3rd. And here's why. Uh, On May the 7th, which is a Saturday, Pacific time at 9.30 a.m., I'm going to do a very, very special one-time only live virtual online event uh, for those that pre-order the book before May the 3rd. And so basically the event is called, it's gonna be about two to three hours deep dive, full of value. It's called Reinvent Life. And I'm gonna share the seven phases of how to reinvent yourself, how to truly let go of who you were in the past, connect to your authentic power, and how to share your gifts with the world and have impact. And so it's gonna be a really, um, never done it before, but it's gonna be a really powerful two to three hour session. And so when you go to Amazon, order the book, Go to this website, coot, as in K-U-T-E, my name, Blackson, B-L-A-C-K-S-O-N. So cootblaxon.com forward slash reinvent seminar All the info's there. There's a section there where you can just enter your name, email, and your receipt info from the paperback. And then that gives you access to the seminar uh, on May the 7th and also uh, a whole bunch of free gifts. Uh, my main website, www.kuteblackson.com. Uh, for those that love to dive deep in transformation twice a year, I do an event called boundless bliss Bali in Bali. So that's Beautiful. www.boundlessblissbali.com and, uh, Instagram, Facebook, hit me up, say hi.
1: Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, hopefully this is your last, uh, podcast of the day. You got more after last of the day. Amazing. Going out with the bang, man. Appreciate thank you, it. And, uh, it. Thank you thank you for all you're doing and uh, looking forward to uh, staying in touch and seeing your journey continue to unfold. Sure. Alrighty. Take care. Thank you.